Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Well, greetings, dear friends. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. I wanted to follow up last week's podcast with another episode that touches on a current theme that's being promoted in our culture, in our, on our airwaves, and our media feeds, whether that's social media or national media. And the issue that I think is at stake right now in the cultural consciousness of America is what is social justice and how do you define social justice and is social justice the right kind of justice for those of us to pursue? Now, I, I listen to a number of, and this is in full disclosure, I listen to a number of conservative-leaning political commentators and thinkers. I happen to, if you were going to say, what is your political persuasion, I would happen I would have to say that I lean towards the conservative, libertarian side of the spectrum. Now, that being said, I don't want to repeat what I hear all of those people say in defining social justice for you. I wanted to go to a well-trusted, well-respected source on the internet, able for everybody to read, and so I went to none other than Wikipedia. A funny thing, Wikipedia came out when I was in college in 2002 or three, something like that. And uh, we were not allowed to cite Wikipedia as a, as a source in any of our works. But I think the, the way that Wikipedia has grown over the years has allowed it to become a pretty well-respected and I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's, it's a well-respected source of information. You know, if you want to learn about the history of somebody or something, you just go to Wikipedia and see what, see what they have to say. And I think Wikipedia has, to their credit, done a good job of making authors of content provide citations for the various positions that are uh, found on, on the articles. So I went to Wikipedia and I just typed in social justice and I wanted to see what and how that philosophy was defined by a, a recognizable, trusted source. And so I'm going to just read a few things to you off of the Wikipedia page for social justice. Now, you know that Wikipedia changes over time. And so this is just a snapshot in time. This is June 12th at about 4.09 p.m. in the afternoon. And at this particular moment in time, in 2020, this is what Wikipedia says about social justice. Now, it could change. That's the nature of Wikipedia. But as of right now, here's our snapshot in time. The first sentence of the Wikipedia article on social justice says this. Social justice is a concept of fair and just relations between the individual and society as measured by the distribution of wealth, opportunities for personal activity, and social privileges. 
Now that to me sounds uh, rather nice. All right, it, it, social justice seems to be, at least upon first glance, it seems to be something that is helping society. There should be fairness and justice between the individual and the society that the individual lives within. Uh, let's take a look a little bit down further in the article and see uh, how this plays out. All right, How does this play out? In this Wikipedia article, at this particular moment in history, it traces the history of social justice thinking uh, through several centuries. Now, I happen to believe, after reading this article, that the authors are somewhat anachronistic in their interpretation of the use of social justice in earlier times. What I mean by that, to be anachronistic, is to mean that you take your current understanding of an issue and you use that definition when you find the same word in history. So, for example, if, if you find social justice, those, that phrase found in the writings of um, the Federalist Papers, then you're going to take today's definition of social justice and you're going to lay that over top of what we find in the Federalist Papers. Now, today's definition of social justice may or may not have been what the author of that particular paper intended. Anachronistic reading of literature means that you're taking something today and transferring it back into time. I think that's one of the dangers and weaknesses of this particular article, and I'm just going to say that right off the bat, that they tend to view the historical analysis of social justice through the lens of how we define it today, not how was it defined by the contemporaries of that particular time period. All that to say, social justice is a concept that has been a part of the progressive movement in Western culture since the early 1900s. And let me give you, uh, let me give you some of the founders of the social justice movement in American culture, American society. And these men may, may or may not uh, be significant to you. One of them is John Dewey, who we attribute as the founder of the modern day education system. Roscoe Pound and uh, Louis Brandeis. Uh, I'm not sure if that's exactly how you pronounce his name. Uh, Louis Brandeis. I think he uh, has a French name, but I'm going to give him an English pronunciation. John Dewey, as the father of the modern education system, I think you can see why he would have been a proponent of social justice and moving the bar forward. Uh, all you have to do is just look at the current education system and you can see how it seeks to reward people not on their merit, but on some other tenet to make everything fair and equal. And so we, we will take away from the smartness of the smartest kids, from the hard work ethic of the hardest working kids, and we'll make sure that everybody kind of meets in the middle somewhere in the education system. Now, Roscoe Pound and Louis Brandeis 
These two men were lawyers. One of them served as a Supreme Court justice. And both of them uh, were big advocates, big advocates of the what has come to be known as a social justice movement. So you can do some more research on those individuals, but it's insightful to us to understand that modern social justice movement was born out of the ideas of men who had a certain political agenda and a certain philosophical persuasion. Now, the contemporary theory of social justice states this in the Wikipedia article. It is a duty of the state to distribute certain vital means, such as economic, social, and cultural rights, to protect human dignity, and to take affirmative actions to promote equal opportunities for everybody. That's the definition of the modern-day social justice movement. The Wikipedia article is at least honest enough to say that there is some variation in how social justice is defined. It's difficult to always pin down exactly what somebody means when they say, we want social justice. But here's what it, these are the things that I just mentioned. These are the things that it has in common. A duty of the state. So it's looking at justice. Justice is a duty of the state to do what? To ensure and to distribute economic, social, and cultural rights to various groups who exist within the state. It says it's to protect human dignity and to take affirmative actions that would promote equal opportunities for everybody. Well, what are affirmative actions? Affirmative actions are, you have too much, you have done too much, you're too skilled, and so we are going to take away from you, and we are going to give to somebody else. We're going to make it more difficult for this particular group, and easier for this other group, so that somehow everybody gets an equal shake and an equal chance. Social justice... <clears throat> is reliant upon the state to make these determinations. What does that mean? Well, the state is, is nothing more than an elected government. The state is nothing more than a, a group of people who are in charge of a territory, whether that territory be a local city, the state, like a state of Ohio, or a country, like the United States. And so basically, in a nutshell, social justice is saying we are depending upon those people who are in charge of us to take action to make everything equal for those who are underneath. To me, that sounds a lot like socialism, communism. And those, my friends, are not ideas that are found in the Word of God. And I think that's one of the biggest problems with social justice and why Christians should not be advocates for social justice. 
You see here in the very definition, social justice relies upon the state. Well, who trusts the state to act with any kind of moral compass? Whose moral compass are we going to use? Who trusts the state to act with any sort of fairness? You don't have to be a serious scholar of history to see that the United States of America, the federal government, has treated various groups of people differently depending on who's in charge. And so if as an advocate and as a promoter of social justice, you are saying, I am entrusting myself to the state to distribute these things. What if one year the state is in your favor and the next year the state is not in your favor? Are you going to say, yes, I'm, I'm for social justice? No, you're not. You see, what these people who are advocating for social justice really want is they want the power to control and to distribute wealth and rights according to how they see fit. Now, how do they see things? How do they see things? That's a good question. Well, we can answer that biblically. We can answer that question biblically. They see things according to however Satan has deceived them. You see, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 says, You are dead in your trespasses and sins. According to the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world. What does that mean? That means that Satan has been given control by God. Satan has been given an authority by God to deceive and to control the minds of unbelievers presently on this earth. And, and so if we're going to act according to social justice, if we're going to do things according to a social justice model, then really you're relinquishing power, you're relinquishing the definition of morality, you're relinquishing objective truth to Satan to determine whatever direction humanity should go. And Satan does this. This is one of his primary works in the world right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes that Satan blinds the minds of the unbelieving. And so all of these people who are advocating for social justice and equality and fairness, their idea of equality, fairness, and justice has been perverted by the evil one. They don't have a biblical understanding of equality, justice, and fairness. They have a perverted idea of equality, justice, and fairness. What else? Satan is very wise and cunning. And Satan doesn't show up looking like we imagine the devil to look. No, Satan shows up looking very good, looking like the right thing. He looks like something that is appealing. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says that Satan even appears as an angel of light in order to deceive the elect. 
Well, the, who is the elect? The elect are believers who have the Holy Spirit of God. If Satan appears as an angel of light to try to deceive those who are elect, how much easier do you think he is able to deceive those who don't have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of them? It's extremely easy for Satan to deceive them. So Satan is the one who controls and who leads this social justice movement because he has blinded the minds of these unbelievers. And what have they done? Well, the first thing that these unbelievers have done is they have rejected the truth about God and the knowledge of the holy. Now, this knowledge and this truth has been revealed to them intrinsically. That means it's a knowledge that they were born with. It's innate. It is plain and evident to them. In fact, that's what Paul writes in Romans chapter 1. That which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. These individuals have a knowledge of the truth, but they have rejected it, and they have been blinded by Satan because of their sin. So there's two things working together. There's the sin nature and there's Satan and the power of Satan and the the control that he has over, let's say this, the narrative that is being established in our culture. So those who advocate for social justice advocate for a type of justice that really is dependent upon the leaders of the state to enact. And as we have seen throughout history, various leaders can be elected, they can be chosen, they can forcefully come to power, saying one thing and then doing something totally different when they have power. This is a real difficulty I find with the social justice movement is that they they don't really know and understand exactly what they're asking for when they're asking to turn over the power to make everything equitable to the state. So they're, they're asking for the state to be the one who comes in and forcibly makes things equitable, either by taking from some and giving to others or advantaging some and disadvantaging others. And the social justice movement is primarily concerned with advantaging quote-unquote historic minority groups. All right, who would that be? It would be blacks, African Americans, if you want to use that term, LGBTQ a plus individuals. It would be women. Not necessarily white women, but women. And it would be any other minority that at the moment seems like they've not gotten a quote-unquote fair shake at life. Notice the social justice movement isn't concerned with Asians not really concerned with uh, South Americans, other indigenous people groups around the world. No, it's concerned with the people groups 
who actually have a voting power in the United States. And why is it concerned with those people? Because social justice is a political movement designed by politicians and those who support certain politicians to elect various politicians. Social justice really isn't about justice at all. It's about getting power, getting authority, so that what we want, what this group of people wants, can become the law of the land and can be foisted upon everybody else. That's what social justice is. And now you may be saying, well, didn't Jesus advocate for social justice? And the answer to that is very simply, no. Jesus did not advocate for social justice. Jesus was not a social justice warrior. And to suggest that Jesus advocated for social justice or was a social justice warrior is a mischaracterization, mischaracterization and a misrepresentation of Jesus Christ as found in the Gospels. Now, what I find interesting is that about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, there was a big stir within evangelical Christianity about social justice in the gospel. Most notably because I believe uh, the Dallas statement, I didn't look this up ahead of time, so apologize if my memory is wrong, but I believe there was a Dallas statement on social justice in the gospel, and quite Famously, Albert Moeller, who, I'm ha who I have great respect for, chose not to sign that particular statement, whereas John MacArthur and Phil Johnson and some others did, rejecting the idea that social justice and the gospel go together in any way, shape, or form. And obviously, they're, they're referring to social justice as defined, like I have already done, from this Wikipedia article. Thanks to these godly men who have been willing to stand up for the truth, who have been willing to push back against the culture, to push back against the lie of Satan, it seems like the affirmation of social justice by the evangelical community was, to a large degree, rejected about a year ago. But now, Satan is trying again, and is using the, the death of George Floyd, which was tragic. And it was a very disturbing thing to watch if you saw the video of that. And I'm not saying the death was, was right or wrong. It was certainly wrong to take an individual's life. But that moment is being used right now by Satan to advance this idea of social justice and to entrench it even further within the American culture. And now pressure is being exerted upon those who are Bible-believing Christians, those who are evangelical, uh, those who are reformed in their understanding of the doctrine of salvation, those who would be reformed in their understanding of the sufficiency of Scripture and the inerrancy of Scripture. Pressure, great pressure, is being exerted upon us to affirm social justice as defined by for example, this Wikipedia article. But that is not biblical justice. Social justice is not biblical justice. How do I know that? Well, all you have to do is 
get your concordance out and, and open it up to the word justice and just start reading the Bible verses in the Old Testament and the New Testament that talk about justice, all right? And I did that. And you know what I observed? I observed that justice and righteousness are often mentioned together. You, know, you never hear righteousness mentioned as part of the social justice movement, do you? But justice and righteousness are often mentioned together in the scriptures. Listen to what the psalmist says about God's throne. Psalm 89, 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Isaiah 28, 17. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the level. That's the Lord God speaking. First King, First Kings 10, 9. God made you king to do justice and righteousness. Jeremiah 9, 24. Let him who boasts, boast that he knows the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. Notice that justice is almost always mentioned with righteousness. Why is that? Why is that? Well, justice is a system of determining whether somebody's actions were in accordance with the law or in violation of the law. That's what justice is. Note the key word there, law. There has to be a law enacted, there has to be a law enforced in order for justice to take place. Now righteousness, righteousness refers to the standard of the law. What is the law? What is right? What is, what is correct? What is objectively true? And what is objectively true today that will remain objectively true tomorrow and the day after that and on and on and on. We call that righteousness. The state of being without sin. You could also call it holiness. It is a characteristic of God. In fact, it is the central characteristic of Yahweh that he is holy. And because he is a being who does not sin, all that he declares is righteous. His moral standards, his laws that he gives, they are righteous. And his laws judge all men equally. They judge the black man as equal as the white man. They judge the Asian as equal as the Native American. They judge the poor as equal as the rich. They judge everybody all the same. Why? Because we're all made in his image. It doesn't matter what color your skin is, what class you are, what time period you live in. You have been made in the image of God and therefore you are all equally under the law of God and everybody will equally answer to God someday for their actions. Justice in the Word of God is divinely righteous action, and it promotes equality among human beings. 
So justice is a good thing. We should not fear justice. We shouldn't be con- condemning justice. All right, we want justice. We don't need social justice, which is a type of man-made engineering. It's a type of man-made science project. We don't need social justice. We need true justice, absolute justice. We need justice that is based on a standard of measure which is unchanging. That's why it's justice based on God's righteousness. God doesn't change. God's standards don't change. God's laws don't change. And when God was giving instructions to the nation of Israel, he had some very important things to say so that people in Israel didn't begin practicing social justice Rather, that they would practice divinely righteous justice according to an objective standard, according to God's truth. In Exodus chapter 23, verses 1 through 6, God describes the type of judges that should be over the land. And God says that justice can only be achieved When judges, the people who are over the land, do not follow the crowds to do evil. You see, Aaron got caught up in this, Moses' brother. He followed the Israelites to do evil, and he commissioned the building of the golden calf. He did not execute justice. He did not. How else can justice be achieved? When you don't falsely testify to stir up a crowd, therefore perverting justice. A third way that justice can be achieved, you don't practice partiality, favoring a brother in need rather than the truth. Wait a second. If true justice doesn't favor partiality, then social justice cannot be true justice because by definition, social justice favors those who are of a certain minority or a certain underprivileged class above those who are the majority or the privileged class. By the very definition in the Word of God, social justice cannot be justice because true justice does not practice partiality and social justice is all about practicing partiality to achieve a certain outcome. Again, in Deuteronomy chapter 16, when Moses is writing instructions for the nation of Israel again, he writes this, Don't distort justice by being partial or by taking a bribe. An objective justice should be the rule of the land. Now, This leads us to a natural question. Why don't we have better justice? If justice is to be objective, if justice is to be based on righteousness, why don't we have better justice? Well, quite frankly, we don't have better justice because we've rejected all that is objectively true. In America, we have rejected the Word of God as the objective rule of life. We have rejected 
the concept that there could even be an absolute truth. And so all truth is just as valid as any other truth. When everyone's truth is the same, and two people's truths maybe don't align with one another, maybe they're contradictory, you can't have both of those things be true. And yet, that's what our culture promotes. That's what we say. Yes, your truth is your truth. What's true for you is good for you. The reason we don't have justice, the reason we have bad situations in America, and not just America, really, in any country in the world, is because we've perverted what is true. We have distorted what is true. We have done away with absolute truth. And so we are looking for something that will give us hope, something that will inspire, something that will uh, make things fair and make things right. Only the Bible can truly make things fair and make things right. Only the Word of God, when practiced properly, when interpreted correctly, will give a standard of rule that is not contradictory. But men, because they are sinners, because they have rejected the knowledge of God and the truth about His Word, men do not want the Bible. Men do not want God. Men would rather have a system that oppresses some, maybe many, as long as they themselves are the ones who are uplifted and upheld and privileged. Let's just put it that way. As long as they're the ones who are privileged, as long as they're the ones who are, who are getting, who are receiving, men will forsake the truth. There's a lot more that we could say about social justice and the gospel. That's, I think, for another podcast episode. But what I really want you to come away with today is an understanding that social justice, as defined by our culture, is totally incompatible with the Word of God and how justice is defined in the Word of God. My friends... I pray that you will study diligently the Word of God and that you will be so steeped in the truth that when you hear a lie, you'll be able to spot it immediately. Let that be our goal, that we know the truth so well that no lie can infiltrate the fortress of our minds. We have work to do as believers to make sure that we're getting the gospel right to make sure that we're interpreting the scriptures correctly so that we can defeat Satan and the lies that he portrays all around the world. May God be blessed as we serve him and may the kingdom of Christ be strengthened as we rededicate ourselves to obeying God's truth. Amen.